This is Life Change Church, Muskegon. What are you doing while you listen? Driving, mowing the lawn, folding the laundry, multitasking? We're so glad you're here. Subscribe and share this weekly podcast on Spotify, Google Podcasts, on iTunes, or at mylifechangechurch.tv. Join us in person Sunday mornings at 9.30 or 11.30, or catch us on Facebook Live. Here's Pastor Ron Rands. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, let's do it a little warmer. Good morning. I want to share a funny story with you, and then... Um, Kind of really a heart, uh, kind of a heartbreaking more uh, story. First, I'll do the funny one. Uh, this uh, yesterday, I found myself and my wife, and I was doing some two tracking with my Toyota Highlander, thinking that it could do something that it can't do, and I found myself getting stuck. And this tell you, it reminded me of Christians. The reason I say that is uh, the car stuck itself. The reason I, I mean that, it wasn't just my driving, it was because the crazy I keen system. I, I don't know if this thing isn't working, guys. Can I have another microphone? Anyway, the crazy interlocking brake system kept on work, pushing the brakes on. I'm busy trying to give it gas, and it won't, get, it won't move, and then giving it gas, and it won't move. And uh, in the meantime... Um, I'm looking, I knew that I, had, I could go get my truck and pull it out. I knew that I could do that, so it wasn't going to be a big issue. I think of how many times we as Christians, thank you so much. I think of how many times we as Christians get ourselves stuck. And we get our stuff stuck because of false doctrine in our life. The analog, crazy technology in the vehicle is what got it stuck. It wasn't the car's capacity. And I'll say Christians, many Christians, it's not the capacity that you have in God that gets you stuck. It's your false doctrine that does. The Bible says in Timothy, in 1 Timothy 4, 1, it says that there will be perilous times where people will literally follow false doctrines, doctrines of demons is what it means. And what a doctrine means is a false belief. It's a belief system where all of a sudden you believe something that's not true about who you are and who we are in God. And so our objective as Christians, our objective as as a pastor here is to try to get you to understand the belief system that God has for you, that his ways are your ways, his thoughts are your side, his beliefs are your beliefs. And if you look at Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that's all Jesus did in the gospel was try to change people's belief system. In fact, you know, the one passage in Matthew chapter 8, Jesus is over there and he's sleeping inside the boat and the boat is getting tossed to and fro, getting all lost, and the disciples are all frantic and they wake him up and Jesus goes over there and what does he do? He rebukes the wind and the the ways. He goes, where's your faith? What he was saying is, what is your doctrine? What do you really believe why you are here? Do you really believe that, you know, that I've taken you to this space so that you'd go out and drown? In my car, I, you know, should have been listening to me going, do you really think, car, that it took you out here in this space just to be stuck? You know, no, I didn't. Well, the point is, in fact, I just pulled it out just a little ways with my big truck and 
boom, it got itself right out of its own way because the anti-lock, for whatever reason, didn't work that time. I mean, that, all of a sudden, I finally pushed the button, and it finally did what it's supposed to do. But I wish I could, I wish I could find that buttons in Christians. I think God wishes he could push that button in Christians. No anti-lock. Because many of us get so locked up in fear, so locked up in, in anxiety, so locked up in our experiences, so locked up in wrong thinking. Well, I'm going to give you another example that happened uh, years ago. In fact, right up until the time, right about the same time space where God was telling me to start this church. But it wasn't about this church. It was about my wonderful bride. And my wonderful bride would have these spaces in her life of these migraine headaches, usually right around that time of the month. And she was having one of these migraine headaches where it just made her to the place where she could not function. And she's not a person that can't take pain. She's very pain tolerant. But she, and she's not a quitter, but it was just one of those places. And I remember going to the altar. And by the way, this place is open, you know, at least Monday and Thursday. And if, if somebody really wanted to come here and pray on Friday, I guarantee you that somebody would open the place up. So one of those days, I was at the altar. I don't remember what day it was. It doesn't matter. But my wife was in that pain, that space where she just could not hardly function. And she's got seven kids. She's homeschooling, and she's still plowing through all of that pain and I remember going to the altar and I was saying God Galatians 5 6 faith works by love obviously God I don't have enough love fix me because I believe I believe in your healing I believe in your deliverance I have seen where my wife was, we, we went, one time she had one of these same migraine headaches, and we went to an actual pastoral uh, meeting, and this other man of God saw the pain in between her eyes, touched her, and she was delivered from that migraine just that fast. So I know God's anointing. I understand, and so I'm just sitting there doubting who I am. I'm doubting the man of God that God is, and I said, God, I obviously don't have enough love, and I don't really think I should start this church I don't think that, there's an, that I sh I'm the man for you, that if I can't see my wife healed, I have no place being a pastor of a church. Because if there's anybody, and I don't take this personal, but I love her more than I love you. That's just a fact. And so I'm going, if I can't see her free, how in the world am I to help you get free? And I'm, I'm not having this conversation with anybody but God. And I'm at the altar, and I'm, I'm very emotional because I'm thinking, I'm called, I'm excited about starting this church, and then I'm going through one little battle that I can't seem to get victory. I had no idea. I was probably there for about 30 minutes praying and seeking God. I had no idea there was somebody else in the room. And that person walked his way up, and you got to remember the scripture that was in my heart is faith works by love and that's all that's in my heart I go I, I don't obviously don't have enough love and this person who doesn't know he can't because I'm I'm doing you know I'm like Hannah I'm I'm bawling squalling but I'm not praying out loud you can't if you could hear me it'd just be gibberish to you but God understands everything that's going on in my heart just like he does with you and as I'm doing that this person lays his hand he says God just gave me a word and I'm like 
kind of shock because I didn't know anybody else was in the room. He says, you're going to know the breadth, the length, and the height, and the depth of God's love. And I, my heart just exploded with God. I just broke because I thought, what a breakthrough I was having all with God. I lost consciousness of my wife thinking of her migraine. Why I was there, I was just caught up in the presence, in a heavenly place in presence with God. I was there for probably about 30 more minutes, and I couldn't wait to call my wife. So I call her up. She goes, she says, honey, says, at the exact same time you're getting your message, my migraine left my body. Don't tell me that we don't fight demonic fights. We fight spiritual armament against our life. The message today is dealing with your trespasser. Dealing with your trespasser. We have talked for the last couple weeks about acknowledging who God is. All God really wants for you and your wife, he wants you to worship him. You should be finding a place. And so when you worship him, you'll start seeing him in a way you've never saw before. And you know, you have that space because all of a sudden you have this awe factor inside your heart. You're like, whoa. And see, I knew that about God and healing. So I was really in this conundrum going, God, I know you acknowledge you as a healer, but yet I'm praying for her, my wife, and she's not getting healed. So I'm in this conundrum, like kind of like what we talked about last week when Gideon was going over there. God was trying to get the message from here to here. Longest travel, that 12 inches in your life. Amen? Going over there where God is trying to get a message where it's not just in your head, but it's now in your heart. And that's exactly what God did with me at that altar. He got the message of who he was. He says, Ron, it's not about getting delivered from a headache. It's about knowing my love. It's about understanding my love. The love that you have for that wonderful bride is nothing compared to my love for her. You need to connect with my love in this moment. And that's exactly what God did. So today as we talk about uh, this message, I, 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 gosh, I ask that you guys grab hold of the fight you don't understand that you are in a fight from the very beginning God has tried to teach you how to fight when you grow up in God you are to learn how to fight God you know we said the battle it belongs to the Lord well did you notice that the phrase before that is because you're on your knees your fight is in your prayer closet and if you do not have a prayer closet, if you don't take a space of time to understand and begin to declare the plan of God over your life, then the trespasser's dealing with you. He's going to get inside your marriage. He's going to get inside your health. He's going to get inside your finances. He's going to get inside of your church family. He's going to get inside of everything that he can get in because he has a right to get in there. He'll have an access point because you don't take authority over your trespasser. Being good today is not enough. Our job as Christians is not just to be a good person. Our job is like Acts 10.38. Jesus came about doing good and destroying the works of darkness and healing all those who are oppressed the devil. So many Christians today are not exercising the authority that they have, are being destroyed. They're being destroyed. In fact, one of the passages I have for you is in John 10.10. 10. Jesus came here to do what? He says, I'm the good shepherd. He's the good shepherd. Where well, there is a bad wolf out there, 
There's a bad wolf out there. He comes to do three things. Steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus says, I came here to give you life and that more abundantly. If you're not experiencing the life and that abundantly, then you're probably dealing with a trespasser. You're probably dealing with a trespasser. In fact, I, I have had this phrase inside of my head forever. When you're praying and you're obeying God to the way you want to do it, and you're still not seeing the results that God wants for your life, then it's because you're dealing with an enemy. You're dealing with an enemy. Satan comes to steal, kill, and destroy. I know you're going to be uh, turning with me to Judges chapter 7. In fact, you can turn there. But before you get there, I'm going to read a couple passages. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 through 12. A final word, be strong in the Lord and his mighty power. Put on all of God's armor so that you'll be able to stand firm against all strategies of the devil. For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits in heavenly places. Now the Spirit expressly says the latter, in these latter times, some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits. That's 1 Timothy 4.1. So many people are giving heed to deceiving spirits. What is that? It means you have a false belief system in your life. I'll, I'll, I'll I'll connect with some people that never go to church and all of a sudden they're uh, in a, a situation that is um, very traumatic. They never talk about God unless if they are talking about God, they're really using his name in inappropriate ways. But all of a sudden some trauma will happen in their life and all of a sudden the name God comes up and he's, he's the one and it's God seems to be the person that's a perpetrator. He's the one that's creating this and causing this problem or allowing this problem. This, what happens is, is that Isaiah, Hosea 4, 6, this, my people perish because they lack the knowledge of who God is. They lack the knowledge. They blame God when God's the author and the perfecter of our faith. He's the author of every good gift. And very clearly, the Bible says right here that Satan comes to steal, to kill, and destroy. Definitively, you have an enemy to deal with, and all of a sudden, these people don't deal with the enemy, just like Adam and Eve didn't deal with the enemy, and they had the garden tainted to the point where they couldn't even go in it any longer, and all of a sudden, they have, people have this traumatic space in their life, and it's God's fault. How many people know what I'm talking about? It's God's fault when something bad happens. And yet they never even have talked about God before the bad even happened. Let me tell you something. God is not the author of the bad. Okay? He's not the author of it. But I'll tell you what, he'll finish the devil if you want to work it with God in it. He'll finish the devil with you. He'll, be, he'll, he'll put a hurting on him. You need to go from acknowledging God to owning who God is in your heart. Which means just because you say that God is a healer doesn't mean you own it means the next time you get a flu symptom or a COVID symptom, what do you own? Do you own that God is a healer, or are you going to own the fear of the COVID? Because that's, what, that's when it comes down to what your belief system is. That's no different than the storm that the disciples were in. I'm going to tell you something. God has got days that are fashioned for you. He's got 
intersections that he's longing for you. He's got good works preordained for you to walk out. He's got anointing that he will spread inside your life to literally break those boundaries and break those scenarios that the devil wants to bring in your life. But Satan comes to steal that from you, kill that faith inside of you, and destroy the very beginning of it. Yet Jesus is the shepherd that wants to lead you in it. Number one, you must deal with your trespasser, it will deal with you. You must deal with your trespasser, or it will deal with you. Trespasser will put seeds of doubt, lies, unforgiveness, jealousy, resentment, entitlement, hate, confusion, distrust, unthankfulness, disrespect, lust, pride, and the list goes on and on. He will put these seeds inside of your life. And you need to deal with them. You need The Bible says that truth sets you free. Free from what? Free from the lies. Two, being good is not all that is expected of you. You must learn how to fight evil. God expects you to grow up. Now, I have 16 grandbabies. And uh, I went uh, snowboarding with one of my grandsons and my son on Friday. And the first time, he, this is it's my second time really snowboarding. It was his, sec, his first time snowboarding. And he's just, a, he's just a crazy little athlete anyway. But he would come out and, and get on that board, and we'd come off that, off that uh, lift, and he would just, he didn't even do, you know, do any spinning to slow it down. He just went down the hill as fast as he could and then slide out. Well, he took out two um, beautiful um, uh, female victims and on the hill, and two different times we said, we got to get some skis on this kid. He's going to just hurt somebody. And he's a wrestler. He's a nine-year-old nine little wrestler, so it didn't, he didn't get hurt, man. He just takes you out, you know, and he doesn't even think about it. You know, it's just, basically, if you're on the hill, you're just target. Get out of his way. Well, so the point of it is, what I'm trying to make is, is this, that we got to understand, I mean, that kid is part of the problem now. He's part of the problem. Your thinking is part of the problem right now. You need to understand you need to think differently. You need to think differently. Pastor Ron needs to think differently. Being good is not good enough. Acts 10.38 says this, And you know that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What is anointing? It's a presence of God in your life to do something great. It's anointing. It's the presence of God to do something great in your life. Then Jesus went out doing good and healing all that were oppressed of the devil. We already read John 10.10, 10, and we already read Ephesians chapter 6. But I'm going to give you a passage that is probably going to tweak your little minds right now. Judges chapter 3. I know you already asked you to turn to Judges chapter 7, so if you could turn back a couple chapters. Judges chapter 3. Now the book of Judges is basically, it's obviously following Joshua, obviously following Moses. And what has happened is, is that God is working through a man or a woman that is trying to represent who God is. And in Judges chapter 3, we find out God's heart toward his people. Judges chapter 3. These are the nations that the Lord left in the land to test those Israelites who had not experienced the wars of Canaan. God expects you to fight. He expects you to learn how. And so many of us Christians just go, I, did, I don't want to. I don't, I don't want to fight. I don't really like being uncomfortable. I don't, I don't like the battle. I just, can somebody please do it for me? 
And God said, look, this is God's will for your life. You say, well, pastor, what's God's will? I'm reading God's will for mankind right now. God left these enemies in the world so his people could learn how to fight. Okay? He did this to teach them warfare to generations of Israelites who had no experience in battle. These are the nations, the Philistines, those living underneath the five Philistine rulers. All the Canaanites, the Sidonians, and the Hivites living in the mountains. These people were left to test the Israelites to see whether they would obey the commands the Lord had given them to answer. So here we find out, why does God leave those situations for you to fight? To test your obedience. Do you really believe that God's a healer? Do you really believe that God's your provider? Do you really believe that God's a covenant God, that really he put man and woman together to be holy and beautiful in his sight? Do you really believe that God has a plan for your children? Do you really believe that God has a desire in why God ordained the church? Do you re- he put these spaces for you to be tested in, to trust and see that you would obey and believe. It's no different than the church today. Do you really believe when these tests come in your pathway, God will leave the enemy in the space of your life so that you can become victorious in it? Let me tell you, every battle you win, you get stronger in God. And what did the Bible say in Ephesians 6? To be strong in the Lord, put on the armor of God. You don't get stronger without putting on the armor. You don't get stronger without going through a fight. Number three, we fight in the strength of God's presence and with his word. My wife and I have really um, been taking more time to get in that space of worship together. We've had those probably um, personal spaces of worship on our own, but daily now we are taking the time to worship. And what I mean by that is we'll put on some praise and worship music and we'll just, we'll listen and then we'll begin to pray. Whether she's praying or I'm praying and then once she's praying, then I start praying. Or sometimes we just get quiet and our hearts just literally melt in that space of worship with God. And then once, at least for me, once I feel that space of connection, then I start moving in declaration. What I mean by that is I go, God, I... You're so amazing. I see you as the God that heals me. I see you as the God that prospers me. I see you, God, as the one that shepherds this church. I see you, Lord, strong and lifted high. I see you as the one that has the perfect plan. And I thank you. I extol you, God. I magnify you in my life. And then I'll start singing a song, and I'll, my heart will literally get in that space of worship. My wife will get in that space, and you can sense the presence of God in the room. And it just, you know, when for me, when I feel that presence, I, real, I feel so unworthy in that space that many times I, I get really almost teared up. Some, you know, for my wife, it's, it almost puts a little bounce in her step. And, you know, if, if there's any character that's a, um, out there that reminds me of my wife, it's Tigger. <laughs> that's who she becomes and even more so when God gets a hold of her you know even more so when God gets a hold of her that's who God is inside of her life 
We, we become more of what God wants when the Spirit of God lifts us up. There's no, there's no gravity that's holding us down. And then what I want to share with you is what we've learned. And this is what I want to teach you. We start dealing with a trespasser. Lately, the first thing we start praying for is this church. I say, God, I thank you right now. This, this is base camp for you. This church is base camp. See, if you're in a fight, if you're in a war... One of the first things you're going to do is get a base camp to work from. So God, this church is base camp for you right now. I thank you that your angels are literally being, they're literally coming and going. This is the place where you walk. This are, the world may be full of sin and unrighteousness. And the world may be full of all kinds of chaos. But this church, this is your home. This is your house. This is a temple for your presence. And God, I'm so thankful that I can get caught up in that same space with you. Lord, I pray that you walk it, you tread on it. And oh God, you said that you said that this, that you don't take pleasure when man draws back in the fight. God, I thank you that Satan is moving back. He's losing ground every single day. He's being pushed back. He's being pushed back. The territory that he once thought he was going to have and the strategies that he thought he was putting in place, seven ways he's, one way he's trying to come in, the Bible says seven ways he's fleeing God. I thank you that you're raising up new leaders. And by the way, we got two new elders coming up. You're raising up new, new ministries. God, you're, right now our missions and stuff is coming out. God, you're raising up new spaces. Children, children and young people, our children ministry is coming forward. Our youth are getting saved. God, you're doing a new work inside of this house. And I thank you, Lord. It's all you. It's it's you, 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 and I worship your greatness. And Satan, you're losing ground. You're losing space. You're losing space. You're found out. Your strategies are found out. You have nothing that has going to take place and work out. Marriages right now are being healed in this house. I thank you right now that young people and children, I think that restorations, those prodigals, they're coming home. These are the prayers. And then we start praying for our businesses. And we got five businesses we're working. We pray for every one of those businesses. Same thing. God, for your glory. For your glory. You're moving in every one of those spaces. Satan, you have no place to operate. You're being pushed back. These are the, this is the temple of God and his presence. Every, and I'm going to tell you, every single day. His mercies are new every morning. Come on, people. Look at, amen. His mercies are new every morning. God's authority needs to be exercised every single day. Every single day. Gideon. Let's get back to him. We're going to be finishing up with Gideon. Judges chapter 7. So far we've talked about how the message of God went from acknowledgement. We realized that Gideon acknowledged who God. Hey, where's God, the God of yesteryear? I heard about you, God. But where you are, two weeks ago we learned, last week we talked about how getting the message and he showed up, he had to have a fleece and Gideon says, I'm going to fleece you God, I'm struggling with my faith, I got it up here but I'm struggling with it down here. And how God helped him get that message from here to here and now we're going to talk about how Gideon deals with the trespasser. Judges chapter 7, so Jerubbabel, that is Gideon, and his army got up early and went as far as the spring of Herod. The armies of Midian were camped north of them in the valley near the hill of Morah. The Lord said to Gideon, you have too many warriors with you. If I let all of you fight the Midianites, the Israelites will boast to me that they have saved themselves by their own strength. Therefore, tell the people, whoever is timid or afraid, may leave this mountain and go home. So 22,000 of them went home. Let me just tell you something. Most of us Christians are pretty timid, amen? 
leaving only 10,000 who were still willing to fight. But the Lord said to Gideon, there's still too many. Bring them down to the spring and I will test them to determine who will go with you and who will not. When Gideon took his warriors down to the water, the Lord told them, divide the men into two groups. In one group, put all those who cup the water with their hands and lap it up with their tongues like a dog. In the other group, put all those who kneel down and drink with their mouths in the stream. Only 300 of the men drank with their hands. All the other got down on their knees and drank with their mouths in the stream. The Lord said, told Gideon, with these 300 men, I will rescue you and give you victory over the Midianites. Send all the others home. So Gideon collected the provisions and ram's horns and all the other warriors sent them home, but he kept the 300 men with him. The Midianite camp was in the valley just below Gideon. That night the Lord said, get up, go down into the Midianite camp, for I have given you victory over them. But if you are afraid to attack, go down to the camp with your servant Purah. Listen to what the Midianites are saying with you. Be greatly encouraged. Then you'll be eager to attack. So Gideon took Purah and went down to the edge of the enemy camp. The armies of Midian, Amalek, and the people of his east had settled in the valley like a swarm of locusts. Their camels were like grains of sand and the seashore too many to count. Gideon crept up just as a man was telling his companion about a dream. The man said, I had this dream, and in my dream a loaf of barley bread came tumbling down in the Midianite camp. It hit a tent, turned it over, and knocked it flat. His companion answered, your dream can only mean one thing. God had given Gideon, son of Joash, the Israelite victory over Midian and all its allies. When Gideon heard the dream and its interpretation, he bowed in worship before the Lord. See what he did? He got into, say it with me, worship. Come on, say it with me, worship. He went over there, for the Lord had given you victory over the Midianite hordes. So he divided the 300 men into three groups and gave each man a ram's horn and a clay jar with a torch in it. Then he said to them, keep your eyes on me when I come to the edge of the camp, so do just as I do. As soon as I and those with me blew the, blow the ram's horns, blow your horns too, and all around the entire camp and shout for the Lord and for Gideon. It was just after midnight, after the changing of the guard, when Gideon and the hundred men with him reached the edge of the Midianite camp, suddenly they blew the ram's horns, broke their clay jars. Then all three groups blew their horns and broke their jars. They held the blazing torches in their left hands and the horns in their right hands, and they shouted, A sword for the Lord and for Gideon. Each man stood at his position around the camp and watched as all the Midianites, let me tell you something, watched the, all the devils watched all the Midianites rushed around in a panic, shouting as they ran to escape. When the 300 Israelites blew their ram's horns and the Lord caused the warriors in the camp to fight against each other with their swords, those who were not killed fled to places as far away as Bethshedah, near Zerah, and to the border of the Abba, whatever that is. Okay? Let me just tell you something. God expects your faith to exercise in the spirit realm. I'll say it again. God expects your faith to exercise in the spirit realm. And when you begin to take, say, trespassers, you begin to tell the devil, say, look, you're not having my marriage. Devil, you're not having my kids. These are God's kids. These are the kids that are going to grow in the knowledge and the nurture. I'm not looking at the things the way the world looks. I'm looking at the way you see it, God. And I believe right now that their angels, Matthew 18, 10, their angels are set right now in motion. 
I believe that there are angels that are being in motion right now in this house. I believe there's angels in motion for my marriage and my finances. There are angels that are in motion for leadership. There are angels that are in motion. I believe God is dispatching angels 24-7. But some of us Christians right now, we're like my Toyota yesterday. We're stuck. And we're working against it. When our prayers, the Bible says the prayers of a righteous man have full effect. I think it's time for us Christians to begin to be effectively operating in the plan that God had. We're out doing good and destroying the works of darkness. Get the other 50% of your doctrine right, people. We are here to do good. We should be giving to Sri Lanka. We should be out here, you know, serving our Jesus. We should be out praying and saying, thanking God and worshiping and singing to our Lord with all our heart. But we need to declare the power of God over our relationships, over our workplace, over our homesteads. I can't tell you, since my wife and I have been doing this for a few months, I can't tell you that things that are breaking loose in the spirit realm, that we were stuck doing the good, and the enemy was ripping us off. I'm tired of being ripped off. I'm tired of letting the enemy be destructive in our lives. It's time for him to literally feel the pain that what Jesus did on the cross was for my life and the anointing that came out of hell and the keys that Jesus took from the devil itself and now he's trying to put in your hands. Father, I ask right now that you would just open up our eyes of our understanding. That we would know the breadth, the length, and the height and depth of your love. And that that love, Father God, is not just a, a cuddly, warm presence of you. Yes, it is that. But it also destroys darkness. It destroys sickness. It dispels lies. It destroys jealousy and bitterness and envy. It literally puts light in the presence of those dark places. In our personal hearts, in the personal space, those things that you have assigned to us, the garden that you have put in our life. Everybody's head bowed, no one looking around. God has set his affection. It's Valentine's Day, the day where we recognize places of affection. Let me tell you something right now. God has set his affection on you. Will you receive it? Will you be stuck like my Toyota? Or will you receive his love right now? Let him pull you out of that space of hurt, despair, confusion. Let his love that knows no bounds and that you are putting bounds on. Don't put those boundaries on God. He's a God that will just blow up inside of your life his greatness and his plans that he has for you. I'm going to lead you in a prayer, all of you. For some of you, it's going to be a personal space of repentance, forgiveness, 
what we would call being born again. And if you have accepted Jesus as your personal Savior in this moment, tell somebody afterwards. The Bible says that as we believe, so we confess. Confess it to God, but confess it to someone else. Tell them what He just did in your life. And every time you tell somebody what He did in your life, you give it more power to what God is doing in your life. You want to live a powerful life? Testify of His greatness. Testify of His power in your walk. Repeat this prayer with me right now. Say, Father God, in Jesus' name, I surrender my life. I receive your forgiveness. I'll get stuck. I'll make a mess of it. So I surrender it. My way of thinking, my way of doing, into you. I trust your leadership. And I receive your forgiveness that you gave through the cross. Lord Jesus, you paid a price for my life. And I receive it in Jesus' name. I'm all yours. Amen. Let's stand up. Let's worship our God together. If you liked this message, we want you to share it. Subscribe to more podcasts through mylifechangechurch.tv. Get involved. Ask for prayer. Share your story. Go to mylifechangechurch.tv. I'm Karma Adams, producer. We'll see you next week.